Chapter 18 of Stories from the Twenties Funny Tales the Soldier's Tale This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Stories from the Twenties Funny Tales the Soldier's Tale by Carlton Case Chapter 18 Meet Tommy, Lise Madderman If war is not a great noveller, and we have been told numberless times that it is, it is certainly the great American mixer, and Cam Upton, L.I., is probably the best example as stand thereof, so to speak. The Bowery boy and the millionaire rub elbows. You have probably heard that before, but it is nevertheless true, and the owners of Long Island so places live in courts next to their former gardeners. But probably the most interesting character at Camp Atten is the barber who was at one time a surgeon in the British Flying Corps and wears the King's Distinguished Conduct Medal. That is, he probably would wear it if he hadn't left it at one in the box, the New York Sun. Down on the master payroll, the DC medalman is heavy buttoned. But over in the 304th Field Artillery's headquarters, company barracks, they call him Ben Wells, the Jewish comedian. But for all that, his real name is Arteris, who even Kipling himself thought had lain dead these 20 years and more in the hill country of India. And for the brand of service for his reincarnation, he has chosen the artillery, the blooming, bloody artillery that he used to hate so much when he and Mulvaney were wearing the infantry uniform of the little old reader of Windsor. London Courtney he was then, a quarter of a century ago, and London Courtney he is today. And if there be some who say his name is not very authorist, let it be stated that names are of small moment after all. It's the heart that counts. And the heart of this undersized little Jewish Courtney is the heart of Kipling's hero. And the soul is his and the tale is his. And instead of telling his yarn to Moreni, he now tells it to an Italian barber they call Eddie rather than his own gentleman of Gasoldi. From headquarters here, where the old man with the two stars looks out and down on his great melting pot that's cooking up this starving army of freedom, he walk a half mile or so west until you stumble on Rookie Jews J18, where the headquarters company and the men of the 304th Field artillery, play and sing and sleep and work. In one corner of the low, black wall washroom, nestling next to the big pine barracks, Eddie the barber ladders, saves and creates hair for IOUs when he isn't busy soldering. And into Eddie's ears come stories of girls back home and yarns of mighty drinking bouts of other days, and even tears of string lands and walls and cabbages and kings. Eddie is the confidant of headquarters company. If you stand around on one foot and then another long enough and add a bit now and then to the gaiety of the nations represented in Eddie's home concocted tonsorial parlour, you will hear some of these wild yarns pass uninterrupted from the right to the left ear of Eddie. And if you are lucky, you may even hear the tale of the DC medal and the five rounds and the torpedo bug and the time the king's hand was kissed, and all from the lips of Arteris, alias Heavy Sea Button, 
alias Benviat. And so, if you will kindly make way for the hero, whose medal is at Om in Mi box, but who did not forget to bring his courtly accent along, to which he has added a dash of the bowery. We may listen to the tale that was told to the sun man. I was born down in Whitechapel, Lunan. A mere man died seventeen years ago in the bow war. The town of Harry began his tale. He was a soldier under Mackney Mackenzie, and he was killed over in South Africa. Well, then he then goes into this war. I said to myself, I will join out to them, do my bit. And so I am done with the Lunar Fusilers. And after two or three months' training, we are sent to Antwerp. But we didn't stop there very long. They fight in the battle of Mons and Lear. I don't know how you spell that Lear, but I think it's a L-I-L or something like that. Well, in the battle of Mons, I guess blow up. Funny about that. You see, a Jack Johnson comes along and buries me, or accept me blooming fit. And then I guess plucked through both legs with a rifle bullet and I'm in the hospital for a month. When I get out, I'm transferred to the Royal Flying Corps and I go to the Hendon or something like that ever drum up Mill Hillway for training. You see, I was a stitch electrician in the Yiddish details on the Edgeworth Road. And knowing things like that, I was made a helper and learned all about flying machines. The burr uh, 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 of airplane. The first one to fly over the camp caused Henry's ear to cough for a second and then a smile to pop up off his face. There's one of the blooming things now, he went on. Well, I was made a surgeon after a bad blooming of Lunan by the features. Six of us machines were sent to pay compliments to the Germans. It was dark and cold and nasty when we started out to attack Frederick's run and give them some of their own medicine. 200 miles with flies, and I dropped 18 of my 19 bumps. You see, I was riding with certain major Fleming. When they opens up on us with their anti guns, and five of us lobs down, raging and tumbling, then something hits me back, and something else stings my arm, and then I felt her wobble and flop. I glances behind, and my sudden is half falling out, and just as she tumbled, I make a grab for them. I was right round me, and so as to ride the machine against him. With my teeth in his leather breeches, and then I throws, I'm back and swings into his seat and turns on the pedal for rising. Up it goes to 9,000 feet, but it was too blooming cold up there. So I come down some and points back for England. The surgeon was there for me, and I was glad even if it hadn't had been killed then. If it wouldn't run, I'm back there with them butchers. I'm my pal and my surgeon. I wasn't going to let the butchers have them. More than 300 miles I had to fly, 6 degrees it will. Then I called Queensborough, and then I calmed down. Funny about that, just as soon as I tilted the ground, I felt like a blooming lady. And I was up in the English hospital in London, and I come to a couple of days after, and I was a blooming hero. And the king sends for me and some other heroes, and we all goes to Buckingham Palace. And His Majesty the King and Queen Mary, and an old blooming mess of them blooming dogs and ladies, comes and the king spins the medal on me. Me and he were with a DC medal. And now I'm wearing this blooming kiki and hoping to get another crack at Kaiser Bill and feast the sour crop. The hero was finally invalidated 
out of service and order to the munitions factories in northern England. Having no inclination for this work, he stole away on the Swedish bark Avondale. This was torpedoed, where fifteen days out from London. He was picked up by the Dutch steamship Linda and finally landed in New Orleans. The sun continues. Then Heavy came to New York a little over a year ago and made his old boat at 157 Livington Street. By then he worked in the Ajax Motion Picture Supply Company, 72 Hester Street, and by night he told brief tales of war and sang snatches of opera that he had learned behind the scenes in London. Then came America's entrance into the Great War and the Selective Service Examination. At Bob 109, Heavy demanded that although he was a British subject, he be allowed to go. And after considerable scratching of heads, the members of Bob 109 decided to ship Heavy to Camp Upton with the first increment on September 10. And what was more, to make him the squad leader on the trip. Salute me, yeah, blue would chopper. Heavy, asked Tommy Atkins, sorted in the reason, as some lowly private who ventured to try a light remark. And I yell superior, and I act in corporal, and I going to be a certain major. Answer me, and I. And the answer was decidedly and emphatically yes. And power to it. Heavy bolted. Medal or no medal. End of chapter 18.